So welcome back to another episode of On Repeat with me, Ali Rashid. And me, Hassie Winter. Tom hit bass kick down in the basement. Lips kiss sweat drips pulses raise. And this week we're speaking to deep pop artist Ra, aka Holly Quinn. Holly's originally from Manchester, but she's now based in London. Holly comes from a musical family who paved the way for her career. In this episode, we'll be reflecting on her musical influences while she was growing up and also what she's learned from working in the industry so far. Mm, it was a super like honest interview and um, thinking about Holly's career, she's performed backing vocals for Liam Gallagher for his live performance and has shared the stage with the likes of Dave Stewart, Nile Rogers, Emily Sande and Beverly Knight. She's also appeared on BBC Six Music, BBC Introducing, Complex, Clash, Ear Milk, Gaudem, Spindle and Fred Perry Subculture, to name but a few. <laughs> just a few then, just a few. <laughs> just a few, just a few casual names. Oh, and uh, her new single, Overkill, sees tropical house beats fuse with lo-fi stylings and her stunning vocals. The video, the music video, is actually a take on a Black Mirror-esque world. Shot entirely in her own flat, the video sees Holly transform the mundanity of everyday life in lockdown into a kaleidoscope rave. Holly even said herself that Corona definitely presented a strange circumstance to shoot the music video. It's always interesting when you interview someone that like you've never met. Mm. We've, we've been quite lucky that we can kind of talk to people that we kind of know, but with someone you've never met, you never know what you're going to kind of find but Holly was an absolute gem and I think she yeah just a really honest interview about kind of her experiences and what she's learned across her career which is I think a really important kind of message for people to know and I think she's she brought up some really really good good strong points but it's also really good to hear that she's doing some she's got some amazing stuff in the pipeline you know so that's always really nice I agree it's so nice when you meet a guest and you're just like you know what I could have a glass of wine with you <laughs> yes we're gonna we're gonna be meeting you for tea when things are when things are all normal so keep it locked and keep it on repeat with Ra. I feel good but she is wasted lips misbehaving he starts shaking ain't baking Hi. Beats racing, beats racing. I can't stand My name's Holly, but my music artist name is Ra. I am a music mm. artist, since I've got a music artist <laughs> name. Uh, I'm from Manchester, uh, but I live in East London. And uh, yeah, and I sing and I write, and that's what I'm doing. Sick. Whereabouts in East London, Holly? I'm in Haggerston. Oh, oh nice. nice. I love that part of East London. It's like my favourite little strip of that road. Me too. Me too. I love it here. Yeah. I've been here um, a year. Oh, gosh, this year's flown, actually. So, yeah, like 18 months, I guess, now. But I really Thank love you. it. Yeah, I really like it here. So you were in Manchester before that? Nah, I've been in London on and off 
a few times. Um, so I, I first moved down here. Um, when I first moved down here, I was like 19. I was here for a while. Then I moved back up north because um, I was doing some acting work up there. And then I came back down here. Um, and I feel like I've lived everywhere in London. I had left everywhere except East. And now I'm East. Really? I feel home. Yeah. It, it took me ages to feel like I felt like at home here. Because I love Manchester. And I was living mm. in the in the place called the Northern Quarter. It's like in the city centre. And it's it's, it's quite really, like East London. Nice. Yeah, it's, yeah. It feels it feels homey here because of that, I think. And Brixton was a little bit like that too. I was I was close to Brixton before. So yeah. They're my favourite bits. Oh, <laughs> that's so that's so good. I love Manchester. I can see why I think the two are very similar. It's yeah. like super friendly, very friendly people. Yeah. Very cold. But yeah. Just me. <laughs> No, no, it is. It's, just... it's in, it's in temperature. Yeah, it's yeah. colder <laughs> yeah. there, and it's more grey. I'm from, uh, I'm from Leicester, and I have a lot of family in Manchester, so I kind of, I'm used to it. Like London actually feels quite warm. I have to say. Totally, I think it's massively different. Yeah, when I come down. <laughs> and I, oh, it's, it's 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 massive. And when I speak to my dad all the time in Liverpool, he's like the, the first thing we mm. we always talk about is weather. What's your weather like? What's your weather like, Holly? Yeah, yeah, it's good, Dad. What's your weather like? And I win all the time. <laughs> it's like, it's hotter here. Yeah, my sister, <laughs> my sister lives in Liverpool. And um, I'm like, oh, what do you want for Christmas or whatever? She's like, a hat. <laughs> yeah. Thermals. <laughs> Umbrella. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. She's like, I really just really need something. <laughs> a constant hug. Yeah. All wicked cities, though. I, lo- I love all these cities that we're talking about, to be honest. But Would you ever live abroad? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, I don't know where, though, but I really love... I, when I get to go away on holiday, I, I love Southeast Asia. Um, yeah, I love it there. So I always dream a little bit about having a house out there somewhere that you could, you know, go go to for six months a year or something like that. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. yeah sort of like from now kind of in the year. yeah Miss, exactly Miss exactly that's the plan yeah do you find that it's like I mean I don't know how often you travel obviously no one's traveling at the moment but yeah do you find it helpful to have a different space that you can go to whether it's just literally like down the road or a different country to write in do you know what I've I guess because prior to this year I have never felt like I needed it because I'm all, I, I'm away a lot of the I, maybe even over half the year back and forth, and only this year have I really been in my house this long without going anywhere, um, which has been lovely. But it does highlight that now I'm doing everything from my from my house, and it and I'm, I'm living with my, with my boyfriend here as well. And you, I do see the benefit of having somewhere else you could go, like my friends who are producers who have studios and you then shut the door and you leave work and you come back home. But here it's always like the piano's always open a laptop's on and it's harder to break like work and leisure. I, I also, with my process, I love the idea of setting a side time just to write for like those two weeks and then you don't do anything else. I never do this. <laughs> I would but like in my head, I'm like, that would be so great if it was like, that's it. You don't work on anything else. You don't even like brainstorm ideas about nothing. All you're doing is writing for a couple of weeks and then you move on to the next thing. So in my head, that would be great to do abroad. <laughs> Preferably somewhere really hot. 
and um and then you know you don't have to answer calls and you can just get lost in that How long have you been kind of writing music? Oh, um, I'm trying to remember the first first time. I think <laughs> I was, I never wanted to write. Well, when I was a kid and I, I wanted to sing, I, ne- I didn't want to write. I wanted to just like sing Mariah Carey songs and be paid for it. That was like, I just wanted to do that. I couldn't really understand why that wasn't a thing. So I was, I had a, yeah, I, I met with Sony when I, when I was a teenager and they asked to hear me sing. Um, so I heard, so I played them a couple of songs so both of them were covers and then they really wanted to hear one that was mine and I'd ri- started writing something with my mum and that was the one that they wanted to push with and you know, that's what we got offered the deal on and that was the only, if it wasn't for them doing that, I don't know when I would have started writing. So even though that mm. didn't work out and I didn't like them very much at the end of it, I at least can thank them for encouraging me to write at a really young age. Um, yeah. How old I, were you, sorry? Uh, well, I was 17 when I right. when I met them. So yeah, I, th- I would have thought, yeah, so I've been writing then since I was 17. Did you go on your own or did you go with someone? Because that's quite a big thing to do, I feel like. You have to, I mean, I'm sure like now, like, is there something you would have told yourself, your 17 year old self kind of thing? Or like, do you know what I mean? Um, That's a great question. I don't know what I would have told, probably just to like brace yourself (laughs) for, for the, for music as an industry, because the, the ups and downs are pretty chronic, you know, and that particular situation you just broke my heart um I mean yeah totally like you know it was like I had all my dreams on my table and I was young so they were like you know great and it was all happening really effortlessly I I think I'd been it was really like a dream scenario I'd been scouted I was just singing like just in this random little place because um it was something to do with my mum's work it was just such a non-event and but there happened to be somebody there that was a manager and he was able to introduce me to this label within Sony. And um, so then we spoke to them and then, you know, I played for them and everything was great. And they, they were going to give me a development deal, which was going to pay me like X amount of pounds a month just to write. And it was literally like your dream scenario at 17. I was like, this is amazing. I'm going to have this incredible income. I'm going to be writing. I'm going to be flying all over the world. And then at the end of it, if they're happy, then it turns into a proper, um, you know, like five album deal or whatever. And you know, wonderful. And I went out to America to meet their partners. And, you know, it was all all like that, like they tell you it's yeah, going to be. Yeah. And then I think we negotiated, the lawyers negotiated the deal for four months. And then they just pulled the deal the day before signing with really no explanation. And I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Really, like, yeah. literally, like, um, we don't know why i'd read in the press there were uh i think you know because sony obviously has for people who don't know there are many labels within sony is is, is the main one so and i won't say which label this one is but um we'd heard that they'd cut funding to the the labels within and maybe that was something to do with it i don't know i wasn't really given given an explanation but i but yeah it broke absolutely broke my heart so 
in a way, I wouldn't change it because it really readied me for mu- music and nothing really surprises me now. And I mean, it's kind of sad, <laughs> but you know, you, 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 heart, you get a shell from that at, at a young age. And there's so many stories like this. Like, I just, yeah, most artists out there have got a story that's as heartbreaking as that one, you know. But Yeah, it sounds, it sounds like a huge whirlwind of like serendipitous yeah. Did you hear like so many stories of like, yeah, so like I think it's like Florence Welsh was like found singing in the toilet and now she's obviously Florence in the machine. Like, so yeah, like, yeah. Oh, it totally, it happens. That's all it is. It's just singing in the toilet. Bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's true. But, yeah, it doesn't always work out. But in the in a way, I mean, it was it was the it was the right thing on loads of levels why that that particular deal didn't didn't work out. And it, I definitely wouldn't have been given the reins to develop myself even though it was a development deal, mm. I know I wouldn't have been, I would have been quite manufactured at that, at that point, you know, like, so it's worked for, out for the best as far as my own music artistry and development goes, but yeah, hurt, hurt though. <laughs> yeah, but, but a blessing. I'm all right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny how those kind of challenges are, like Hattie's right, like they are blessings yeah. in disguise, like they kind of, I see it like a, a tree, you know, like a tree that has branches and it kind of leads you into like different directions, but it's still kind of yeah, yeah. in its own way. Do you feel like there have been any other challenges that you've come across so far? And I'm yeah. just thinking for if we have listeners who might want a little bit of insight or advice into the world and it can be, you know, like writing or it can just be people you deal with or something like that. Yeah, I mean... There's a multitude of challenges. <laughs> I kind of see music as like, I mean, sometimes I just feel like you're, it's like being in a huge dark room and you're looking for a door and the door could be like on the roof or a trap door you don't know where and you're, and you mm. can't see anything, but you know there's a door in here and that's how the music industry just feels. You just don't know what's coming. Um, and that can be wonderful because you can get some phenomenal opportunities that you didn't know were going to happen. But at the same time, it can be hard trying to find the route to like the next step or the next level. And um, so that's one of the biggest challenges is knowing which way to go, which way to turn, who to trust is a really tough one, you know, like. And I think even if you do, yeah. you do find people you trust, it's a constant reminder for me that nobody cares about your project like you do no one's going to look after it like you like you do and sometimes you almost believe that they do (laughs) but really it's not logical you know it's yours so you really have to guide it the most um but challenges I mean I just when you said that I thought of um you know you, you do you write with all different kinds of people and that can be terrifying or rubbish or you know that like writing sessions give me anxiety really like before I go into a session I'm like oh my god why have I signed myself up to do this um and then this one time I went into a session that um was set up for me and I was doing I've done quite a lot of different sessions and they usually this they work fine you you know you talk shit for like you know half an hour and you get to know each other and then you play some references and you get on with it it's fine but this one, I went into the room and I guess we we spoke for a little bit and he played some beats and I was like, cool, yeah, really like the beats, yeah, great. And this room was tiny and his desk was facing the wall here. So he was just facing the wall because he was on his computer all the time. So I'm sitting behind him, like facing his back. 
and he didn't mm-hmm. turn around for the entire session and he just said no to everything that I did. And this, that was so bad. And then in the end, in the end, I actually loved the song that we did, but the, it was the most painful session. And I literally had like text to my manager, like ready to press go. Like you need to make up or something and get me out of this session. I can't believe it. <laughs> like it's just SMS. so awkward. <laughs> do you know what I mean? You're just sitting someone's back to you like this. And they're just like, no, no, for like eight hours. Terrible. Terrible. Yeah, I guess it, it must actually be quite hard to find like the right kind of like producer or writer to yeah. work with and kind of establish those um really like, hard relationships. Oh yeah. yeah. What, what do you kind of look for in someone that you work oh. with? Or is it just do you know change every time? Finding a producer no, I, I mean I have the dream in my head that finding the you know, ultimate partnership producer is like finding your soulmate. <laughs> I mean, it's, you yeah. know, and I feel like there's only, well, really there should only be one of them if they're soulmates, but I feel like there's only a few people in the world for the job and yeah. you have to just keep trying to find them. And that's why you keep going to sessions. That's why I keep going to sessions. And I'm like, but this guy could be the one, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> it could be him. And I've found, um, I have found, a wonderful relationship with um with the producer I'm working with at the moment or who I was working with recently and that that was really amazing and I used to work a lot with my brother so that was obviously great oh but everyone else in between even though they're you know can be phenomenal producers um you just you want the click like a having a yeah. fucking you great date, one. you know, like yeah. The magic. Maybe we do need like a Tinder for. T- I was, oh my Patty, God. I was just thinking <laughs> this. It. I was just thinking. Oh my god, that's brilliant! <laughs> there you go. I don't know how it could be. Yeah, just imagine like swiping right because like, it literally is it. Wrong. No, no, no. Yeah, you'd have to just that hear so little snippets. Yeah, you'd have little trailers. Yeah, yeah, little snippets, and then you you could swipe right and like left. Yeah. If anybody's listening to this and wants to uh, take on this idea, yeah, just uh, can can we have some royalties, please? Because I think we got here first simultaneously. Yeah, we're also copywriting it right now. Yeah. yeah. brother is musical as well oh yeah so yeah my whole family is musical actually we're, we're kind of like the, the von traps the mixed race von traps yeah <laughs> so yeah my brother who i was writing with and who was producing so he's in a band called the christians who were oh god i'm gonna get myself in trouble now because i don't bloody know but i think they were big in the 90s he joined that band about 10 years ago and he yeah he writes and, and plays for them um but all my all my family are musical yeah everyone does something do you think that um having a musical family was it was it having a musical family or was it mariah carey that really kick-started your uh well your since mariah's career? not listening i'll <laughs> say it was the musical family <laughs> no a hundred percent yeah my so my parents both um both are in music my mum um they were actually signed to the same record label. They were signed to Pi Records, but at different times. Um, and my dad um, was, so my dad was in a band called The Chants, who was one of the first black boy bands of the 60s. And so he wow. just 
did that whole and he was part of and that's in Liverpool so he was part of the Mersey Beat scene and they was they were signed to the Beatles managers and sang with them and he was in this big Liverpool music whirlwind of of that era which must have just been insane yeah, totally mad. um yeah so fun and when he by the time I was born my mum and dad were singing in a band together um so it's just that's how I grew up like that uh, they were gigging all the time and um that's yeah I just think there was nothing I didn't really see any other options <laughs> it was like this is what people do right we sing great amazing let's go good job I can sing and then Mariah Carey came in you know taught me some riffs and Aww. there we go I haven't listened to her for years but I just put her on the other day just like loved my life I'm I'm a big Vision of Love fan. I think the 90s was like one of the strongest time for like R&B videos. Like, do you know what I mean? Like Missy Elliott, Busta Rhymes. You're right, you're yeah. right. So strong. You're right. This sounds, this sounds like self-love to me. I think it's fine. <laughs> I just, yeah. like I'm here for it. I'm here for it all. But every single time it gets to December, it's like everyone simultaneously just like, ah. <laughs> all the singers come out and <laughs> they're like. It. That's it. The one song that never gets old. It's nearly time. Where did you get your name from? Right. So my full name is Holly Quinn Ankara because Quinn is my mum's surname and Ankara is my dad's. And I used Such to a just... Nice name. Thank you very much. I used to just, you know, be Holly Quinn Ankara, um, but I would finish a gig and everyone would be like, well, not everyone, but some people would be like, oh, you know, great. Can we get your, can we, where can we find you online and stuff? And I'd start to tell them and I'd just start to see like their eyes glaze over and then they'd need a pen and we need to write it down. And it just wasn't very practical. Do you know what I mean? Right. So it, it like was a problem for for years. I, was like, I don't know what to call myself because I don't want to, yeah. by either dropping Quinn or Ankara, I felt like I was dropping a part of my heritage like even my mum's side or my dad's side didn't matter anymore and I was going to be like Holly Quinn Ra for a while or just like Quinn Ankara and anyway in the end I was working with Dave Stewart who's from the Eurythmics and he said he was sitting with me I think we were having breakfast in Nashville once and he was just like you should just be raw raw you know and I was just like, yeah. And he was like, yeah, just be raw. It's great. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And I went to tell the the people, the, the label that I was working with at the time, and they were like, oh, no, it sounds like reggae or something. We don't think that's quite right. And I was like, oh, God, I thought we had it. And then finally, when I finished, when I you know stopped working with that record company, I was like, sure, fuck it, I'm going to be raw. And so it's the last syllable of my name, Ankara. Um... And I just added an extra H just for a bit of symmetry. Oh, I love it. I think we've asked quite a few people like how they got their names. And I think that's possibly the best story. So you you have your name, which is like a kind of, I guess it's a mix of, of cultures. And I, I have like a similar thing as well. Yeah. And I find that amazing and beautiful as it is and how like I wouldn't change it for the world. It's for some people it does kind of, it gives them the sort of like ethnic ambiguity about you which can be a little yeah. bit like distracting and then also yeah. I wonder if you find this as well but being female on top of that and like talking about the layers yeah. of trust that you have to have with people mm. it's like they're all distractions from your music slightly so I don't know if you often Absolutely. like being mixed like I mean we're all mixed right so like how often do we get yeah. like the where are you from kind of thing yeah oh 100% 
it's mad. I feel like I've been doing this or I've been developing this or, you know, singing as, as a musical artist for a while now. And it's crazy how often I'm st- I still I'm moving in my head what genres are really fit me well. And that is a it's a complex from this issue, because when I was a teenager, uh, you know, people were just really quick to compare me to well whoever was was black and in, in the charts really but especially if I was playing piano it was like oh Alicia Keys you know or I couldn't get away from R&B it was like I was definitely R&B someone mm. you know what I mean it was gonna you got it it's R&B right and I, and I then started to kind of reject that because then R&B started changing as much as I, I adore R&B but um it started changing a little bit from where it was um and I didn't like it as much and I was really rejecting that like box that was being put in and I think I've just rejected that for years and it's only in the last couple of years I've started to go I fucking love R&B I am yeah. R&B yeah. yeah fuck it yeah. you know like yeah Alicia you know and I've come back to actually well yeah fine but I just at the time was a bit like stop trying to tell me what what I can sing I can I can do rock too and yeah you know and then I, I was exploring all these different genres which are still really relevant and all influential but really it's just because that's what society wanted to yeah. tell me that I was doing I think it's quite hard to like forge your own identity and people are like yeah you're just whoever else is yeah. there and whoever else yeah. is similar and you're like but I'm so much so much more than that mm. yeah yeah and the UK is I think it's it's changed massively um, as far as you know who is prevalent in music here. But I remember when I was when I was little and you know had a, had a big dream to do it. It just felt like that was if you looked like this, that is what you did. You didn't do pop and you didn't do indie or you you didn't it didn't work. Or maybe you did. Maybe there were people doing them everywhere, but it didn't come through. They didn't want to promote it. It wasn't going to work. But if you looked kind of quirky. Um, and and you sung soul oh fuck everyone would lose their shit about it you know and it's like well there's loads of like black people that are singing soul like they're killing it true i think i think i've like i've read quite a couple of articles with people like that i think people like i don't know i think i look back at like jamelia and like people like samantha mumba yeah um yeah very much like pigeonholed into things that like they didn't have to be and like i was like looking through your bio and like you've obviously played with like beverly knight and emily sande and i think that they're also like unfortunately really key kind of examples of that examples yeah 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 it's it's true it is true um but it's really great when people do come through and break the barriers of that and you know you see that i mean i I think of that in american artists more so i guess but it's great when you see them coming through like gary clark jr was just really wicked to see or anytime you see someone doing country that isn't doesn't look like they're going to do country or like Lil Nas. I love that, you know, like old yeah, like, yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, I mean, you you obviously like have an interest in loads of different genres, and your music kind of encompasses that. But if you could exceed someone's expectations, how far would you go in terms of genre? Like, what is the most random genre where you'd be like, someone be watching you, you'd be like, oh, wow, I didn't expect that. What would it be? Like, um, I don't know what you call this genre, but like the streets. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like a bit like, like a, kind of like know, a UK. Do like fun- a mancax and spoken kind of, yeah. Yeah. That kind of, I think that would be the one that people would be like, well, what the fuck's she doing? But I love the streets. Oh, God, I love the streets. <laughs> you 
know what I mean? I love music like that. So yeah, I think that would be the one. Certainly in the UK, like you've got those different places around the country and when you hear singing you can hear those different accents a lot of the time but I think yeah. that because uh, a lot of people grew up around American music uh, and maybe Mariah Carey and stuff you can sometimes fall into this thing of, of singing like an American when you're actually British yeah. or maybe vice versa or or I don't know or like switch around and find it difficult to keep consistent how important is it for you to retain where you're from in in the UK in your singing? Yeah. Um, do you know what? I don't think. Yeah, this is it's so true because how you learn to sing, you know, all the things you're singing as a teenager, yeah, whatever it's for, your school concerts or whatever, it it, it does tend to all be American mm. um, stuff. And even if it's not American, it'll be you know if it's sang by someone English, they're still taking those American intonations or like show tunes, which are traditionally American, aren't they? Mm. Or musical theatre stuff. So I think it's really, I think by the time you have kind of um developed your your voice and your tone it, it is what it is <laughs> so I don't even know if, if you can hear my accent in my voice and I'm not too sure whether you would know I was English I don't know you'd have to tell me I don't know <laughs> um but I tr really try to just be my voice I don't really like you know little effect you know affected things that, that people do sometimes in a, a singing or I just really just try and be me and if I do do anything like that like my mum would shout at me because she's a, a voice uh coach so like I think she like from being young she'd be like why are you singing like that and I'm like, oh, I don't know I heard it on the radio she'd be like no so I really try and just be me um whatever the accent that is <laughs> so good it's such good advice as well from your mum as a singer do you get people maybe like outside your family kind of being like oh you're so good. You should go on X Factor. Yeah, of course. All my life. Um, <laughs> and what's your response to that? Uh, to just smile and leave the conversation. <laughs> 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 smile and walk away uh, if it's possible. But I mean, these things, but, you know, people in my family ask me questions like that. Not my immediate yeah. musical family. But, um, yeah. you know, these are, this is a normal normal question and they have no idea why that might be you know frustrating or or anything to, to me you know it happens but and it happens because people have that's their idea of, of, the, of the music industry because that's what they're shown so it's completely understandable like they just don't people just don't know anything about it really unless they listen to your podcast or they really take an interest and delve in that's all they're shown, you know, Simon Cowell saying yes, no, and then like everyone's dreams coming true for like a day and then they're just on to the next one and they just think it's as simple as that. They're not looking into what happened or how they are afterwards or um, where, where their next step is or if we've heard of them. Yeah, I was just thinking about your, your story earlier on and I think like you said, you know, like it really broke your heart and like that really broke your heart and it wasn't in front of yeah 60 million people or whatever and yeah I think, well I think about this a lot yeah that must be awful. It, I yeah it's it actually stresses me out now like um I can't even watch it mm. anymore and I just wonder if that's it kind of coming but it really and you know anything when it's kids I just think oh they just don't have a clue you know and it's, it's a real um 
ignorant um which not of 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 their fault and not of the parents fault it is it is the dream that everyone's been sold through the television you know i'm not blaming the people themselves but it's really can be traumatic and um, even if you're not kids um I've, yeah i won't say, say who but you know somebody who wins the voice or or particularly the voice i would say because we really don't hear much from those winners but it's just that can affect your mental health you know if you're not if you've not come from the music industry if you are someone who was working in waitrose or or whatever which is the dream they love and then you this is all you really know about it as well because you don't have your family that might know or your friends they're not your peers that's all you know. You're told you're fantastic on an insane scale. You think everything's amazing. Yeah. It then gets snapped away from you mm. and no one wants to know you anymore. Like mentally, you're just fucked from that. You know, that's without even yeah. your music dreams being spoken about. Yeah. It's just harsh. Yeah, it's cruel. This is such an interesting conversation because I think I don't want to be, and I'm sure you feel like this as well, both of you, like you don't want to feel like you're being kind of like this, elitist singer talking about it because I completely respect that yeah. for some people that's their way into an idea of the music industry and whether yeah. it's a true representation or not it's an idea that kind of cultivates an interest and the interest is important unfortunately they're being sold in misrepresentation of the music industry mm. and the reason I think it's so relevant to what we're talking about is because I think it has a direct impact on co our careers as singers and as like yeah. it, it gives people an idea that what we do is completely different and like you said it's all based around yeah. this idea of dreams and hopes and highs and lows and emotions yeah. and mm -hmm. also and I don't know if you you think this as well Holly I think it's very difficult to actually be like right I am a singer which also means that I am a musician Instead yeah. of having instrumentalists and musicians like as if they're separate from singers, yeah. even the way that singers are placed on a stage in something like X yeah. Factor, it's just oh, them, yeah, yeah. the orchestra or the band or like in the pit at the side. It's just like me, 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 me. Like, why? Why? Because yeah. then you've set up a hierarchy and again, you've set up this false expectations of like hopes and dreams. Mm. Do you feel like that's something that's like a real battle? Do you ever have to feel like you can you have to convince people that you are a musician and how do you do that? I think what's happened is as I've grown up, um, I have maybe done this subconsciously, but the people I'm surrounded with, the people that I interact with are creatives of one way or another. You know, like, and I'm not saying they're all in music, but they have a a broader understanding so I don't need to I don't need to explain that but when you meet other people <laughs> who aren't in your safe like bubble which is a problem um <laughs> it's like I just mean the bub the safe bubbles are the problem not meeting other people <laughs> outside um <laughs> that, that would be a good thing um when you meet those other people yeah you are having to explain they think and this is a problem with social media, but you know, people just think whatever you're doing within this world is so glamorous mm. and um, so fantastic and so well paid. And you, you find yourself having to, you know, like if you do a session or something and then you speak to someone who's working um, per hour 
And it might, I'm not saying I'm paid ridiculously for sessions. I'm just saying even how that pay matches up. So it won't be the same as what someone's getting paid for working eight hours doing a shift somewhere. Uh, because, you know, I might be in a session doing three hours and my rate, it might be, you know, four times what theirs is that day. But then you having to explain to people that that's a one-off session. Um, I don't do this. I can't do that every day. And I've been training my voice to be efficient at sessions for a fucking long time. So that when I go in, I have the skill set to be able to smash that out. And you like, I found myself recently having to kind of justify things like that because people are like what that's you know crazy and you're like but no this is my it just works different to what your skill set is this is my skill set and yeah I'm a musician I'm an instrument I'm not just like you know having a great time on stage and I do have yeah. a great time on stage but yeah. it's like there's there's more work yeah. and skill and technique involved and people forget that with singers Definitely. they think we like go on and we just love what we do and everything is easy and fabulous and you know there's a stylist there and a sister and yeah sometimes yeah. that shit comes and it's fucking great but they forget all the work you've had to yeah. do in order to be able to stand on the stage and, and deliver yeah. all the 16 um, hours on set doing a video the hours and hours it totally. takes to write a song to get that produced and the I think people think it's like easy. and totally there's so the processes are so 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 long you know whatever it is even even if it's performing you know you could go on do uh yes yeah, so like a spot on the jonathan rush show great and you might do three minutes that's the song that you've done but you know maybe to get there you had to fly back from somewhere else and you've not slept for four yeah. days and no it makes a lot of sense it's like i think you get that thing a lot where people assume that singers they're just constantly doing karaoke and it's like <laughs> It's, yeah it's like a hobby <laughs> and that's yes. so hard particularly when you're starting off because people don't really want to pay you properly and they yeah. think well they're enjoying it so you know it must be fine it's like no mate this is actually uh this is my work <laughs> and you need to like set your boundaries there have you been in that position where you've been gigging and uh, yeah I mean I feel that's that's an issue that still occurs, you know, and, and probably still will. And it even can come from people who are in music and are totally lovely and totally respectful, but they just haven't quite, they've just missed something. You know, they haven't quite understood that this is a job and I should be paid for this job like you would pay a lawyer for doing their job or like yeah. anyone else for their services. You know, you're going to get someone to clean your windows and then go, oh, thanks for the experience. <laughs> and you're going to pay them to do their job like the amount it's it kind of insane yeah that it's just in a creative industry that people think that we should just do this highly skilled yeah. unique yeah. precious shit for free it's like what are you talking yeah. about i know it's very difficult like talking about everything that's going on at the moment and it, it's been quite an interesting time for creatives uh, and yeah. how have you found it? Have you found that it's been a creative time? Have you found other things um, to do or has it been difficult to not be performing so much? It's, um, I still feel very much in, I don't feel we're like anywhere near the end and I feel like my outlook changes all the time. Um, but when it began, um, I had just got with my boyfriend. So we were very much like 
honeymooning, falling in love in lockdown with nothing to do. It was amazing. It was like having summer holidays at school. I was like, it's wonderful. It's a beautiful day. I'm falling in love. I'm cycling around. This is great. Um, that ran out as much as I still adore him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was a bit like, oh, it's not, it's not, it's still here. Right. Okay, great. Um, he went back to work. He's a chef. Um, and then it kind of was like a phase two of like, oh, fuck, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what to do. I felt like there was a lot of um, people on socials who was putting out subtle kind of um, messages that people should be being really productive. Mm. And I didn't really like that pressure. Um, and then there was other people kind of going, no, you know, you just look after you and you know hopefully people were somewhere in the middle but that was confusing and it depends and as a creative self-employed person anyway mm. you are highly motivated yeah. as I'm sure you girls know you know you're high motivated anyway and you're thinking of a million things to do anyway and I personally struggle with switching off from mm. that so for me I kind of took my first few months as like well this is my switch off and I'm not going to do anything because I don't really need to I was still writing for, for fun um but really wasn't putting pressure on it now it's like a normality that we now need to find a stride of and it, and it's tough I'm, st I'm still struggling with um wanting to kind of put two fingers up to what's going on and the fact that the government don't respect it and that I'm now you know now financially everybody is struggling and on the other hand I'm yeah I'm wrestling with that and no, you should you should get up and write a fucking hit song today and do this and, and make your own video and brainstorm this and speak to these people. And it, depending what day it is, depends which side I'm closer to, but it's, it's tough. Yeah. I guess it's just like take it day by day and see how it works out. Take it day by day. Works out. And, and yeah, and just hope you find your groove. But I know some people who have like written albums. I know some people who are like, you know, mentally ill now <laughs> those people that are different it's just you know you've got to find what works for you I think, yeah within it's, this. it's not it's not a normal situation but i wish there was some sort of well-being section to the news rather than everything just being in red and having a really anxiety inducing theme tune like they should be like okay everybody we're i mean i, I know actually at one point they were like listen like don't watch too much of the news because you might actually get really anxious i think they said that once but they should totally be like Okay, everyone, yeah. we're in lockdown now. You might feel like you have to do everything, but actually, just we're chill, all going guys, through some chill. collective shit here, yeah. so just take your exactly. time. But I think I think you is so right when you you're talking about um, musicians specifically have already having that thing where like you can yeah. already like <laughs> write songs. That's what pe that's on people's list. Write a song, learn an instrument, yeah. do a beat, yeah, yeah. do this, yeah, yeah. And you're like, mate, yeah, I'm already. Well like I've, I've been doing that yeah <laughs> and it, it, it also yeah. like exacerbates this idea that people view music as a hobby because it's part of like the things that you do during quarantine <laughs> another thing that you said that that really resonated with me actually is the switching off mm. yeah Oh, yeah, yeah. so how how do you do that? And and actually, it also linked back to something you said at the very start of finding a kind of refuge to write and how that would be an ideal for you. And I wonder if we put too much pressure or if a lot of people put too much pressure on lockdown 
being its own kind of refuge as a space for to write because that is it right like that's going to be one of the only opportunities in some people's lives to but when the pressure's there you yeah. can't necessarily it doesn't always work. do it and i found even when i had kind of come out of my phase 1 you know i was in my phase 2 of being a bit more productive i just there's such a uncertainty with the moment you know anything you thought your future was is really different now everything's just we can't like you say we have to take it day by day we don't know what's going on and that uh clouds my creativity <laughs> just clouds it I'm just like you know I've gone through sometimes I'm like well what's the point you know what why am I I've, I, what's the point again of me writing this song like why why are we doing it if I can't do this and then I can't go and sing it live and I go you know and you're wrestling with that and then you think oh well and this is just one of the voices in your, in your hair, you know, going, well, why do I need to, do, what, why am I even doing music? What's going on? Um, but then some days you can feel really inspired because you are, what's lovely is because you're not working, you're not traveling around, you're not going here, there and everywhere, and you're not taking on 17 jobs at once. You are just existing. Mm. <laughs> you are yeah. just here. And as, you know, as scary as that can be sometimes, it does give you space Um where I'd, creative ideas can come naturally without forcing them, without having to sit in a session even, you know, without deciding you're going to write today. And that's really beautiful. But though, you know, there's a mixture. Yeah. <laughs> there's a real mixture, isn't it, of, of when it comes naturally, when it's not, really feeling motivated when it's not. But there was a time, I'm not saying this is now, but there was a time, I, remember, I think August, September time, and everyone I spoke to, whether it was a producer or a writer, was just like, I am just not inspired to write. I just can't write. Mm. Like, no one felt inspired to do it because they were, because it's just this yeah. horrible, like, feeling in your stomach of anxiety. And found that quite, I found it more challenging, I think, to write from scratch this year than I have ever, mm. personally. I don't think it's created a, a you know writing sanctuary for me personally but um I've definitely written so we'll see <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe some of it written's really fucking great but I've found it harder if you if you think about like times outside of right now where would you tend to get like inspired from or where do you get your sort of influences from for writing I find it important this is another thing I'm really trying to do and especially with this bad weather is just to go outside mm -hmm. <laughs> make sure you go outside you know after doing lockdown I was doing lots of yoga in the house and now I've like no I gotta go back to the yoga studio I gotta make sure I'm yeah. getting out the house even if I don't have to go because we don't need to leave the house anymore you know like everything you're doing is in the house and that is becomes very um claustrophobic for my brain so yesterday you know I just went out on my bike um and it was a, I couldn't really be bothered going out and then I did go out and I was like I'm so fucking happy I've yeah. come out you know like the second I started cycling I'm like I feel inspired about by stuff you know it can be someone's face or someone just like fell over a bit or someone dropped his ice cream or there's like graffiti on that shed that looks weird or like there's a fruit that's felt like it can be anything when you're out and about and looking at your surroundings I find inspirational. That's why I love this part of London as well, because there's just so much random yeah. shit here. It is a nice <laughs> and people a nice and... part you are. I think you're so close to like everything going on. But there's also like some really yeah. lovely parks in that area and like really lovely little neighborhoods yeah. and it it's like London exactly. without the, without the kind of madness. Yeah. 
although it's yeah. still mad in it's its true way. it's it's it feels villagey yes and it's yeah. colorful yes and the canal, you know, when there's when it's not a horrible day and the sun's coming out, you know, and then there's beautiful trees and autumn is such a fantastic time of year, you know, you've seen all these amazing leaves on the ground, like all of this stuff is just like there's a feast for your eyes, but it's outside, and if you don't remember to leave, it's hard. Yeah, it's easy to <laughs> forget. Know? So yeah, yeah, it's really easy to forget, especially when it's cold. I hate the cold. Remember, <laughs> yeah. we're mixed. We don't like the cold. I want to go out there. What are you on about? You know, I have to really wind myself up to get out. And they're like, oh, yeah, life. It's okay. Um, so, yeah, just normal normal things that you see every day. Normal stuff make, inspire me. Mm. Yeah. Um, I'm super aware of the time. I don't want to keep you too long. I still yeah. have a couple of questions about your... your sure, go for it. Um, so I was listening through today, like having a little bop, loving it. Um, and I think Thank I was like listening on Spotify and like your all your sounds are kind of they're quite varied, quite broad. So it's it's really like exciting yeah. and it like enticing to listen to because it's like I can kind of hear like different genres and influences and different things. Um, I really liked Home where it's got this sort of like choir layered oh. sound, like quite gospel. Yeah. And then other things are like kind yeah. of new new wave pop. It was really cool. Um, and I just cool. wondered if you, if that was how broad your kind of, inf- like your musical influences are. Do you know what? Um, it's absolutely right that all of the things that I've released are slightly different. But I think that the reality is it's come like that because I was working with different producers um, and we were kind of choose, because we were releasing on a single by single basis rather than an album or an EP we were choosing what song was strongest to go forth with and that didn't necessarily follow on from the genre that we'd just released in. Um, so that's why. However, it was lovely that you said you really like Home because that is the genre that I'm leading oh, with I love it. <laughs> right now. <laughs> um, I, I thank you very much. I, I just think that one's closest to where, to where we're headed. I'm, I think Overkill has a, has a place in there as well for that new wave pop, but there's... Um, that kind of melancholic, uplifting fusion. Um, and also you're not really sure if that sits in like pop or R&B. That fits mm. well for me. It, ha- it felt quite like... <laughs> I'm mod- not in the box. It felt really like modern. I kind of, I can't put my finger yeah. on like who it exactly kind of, you know, when you get like the sort of suggested artist, I was like, oh, this kind of fits with some other things, but I can't put my finger on what, but it's it's really yeah. nice, really beautiful. And I actually think like a perfect That's antidote cool. for today's weather. It's like oh, just like yeah. walking around, like yeah, feeling like I'm in a music video. It was great. Oh, cool, man. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that. You're very welcome. Um, and then also with your with your writing days, or just when you're sort of thinking about ideas and stuff, what is your sort of typical day? What does it kind of look like? Um, a typical writing day, uh, or yeah, a day where I'm at home writing. I would, I get up. Or do you want just like a, yeah, a typical yeah. day where I'm, I'm kind of yeah. productive in music? Do you have okay, any yeah. like rituals so I, or, I don't know. Um, I get up and I unfortunately check my phone is the first thing I <laughs> do. Um, I'm checking emails and I'm voice noting um, my manager generally. And then I am, if I'm going to be productive with writing, I will sit down at the piano 
and I will go through voice note ideas that I've previously made and I'll be making some that day but I go I will like start several ideas and I'll voice note them Mm. and then I like to put them down and then if I'm cycling somewhere I'll listen to them a few days later or if I'm definitely going to write that day I will sit down and be like right and I'll go through the ideas and hopefully one um there's always one I want to develop or work on or hopefully you go oh good that's good because I like to take a bit of distance um, and then I'll sit there and I'll develop it on the piano and then I will put it into Logic, um, which is the software that I, I use. And I'm not a producer, so I will just demo it up, um, sing it in and put some vocals on it and try and get a drum beat on there. And then I'll try and leave it. Like I said, I like to take space. I don't like to saturate my day in one song. Um, I'll cook mm. like three times in the day perfect <laughs> love cooking love food yeah made it a smoothie i listen to radio four that's a bit of a ritual um love a bit of woman's hour oh, oh uh, they always say like yeah love it love it love it so i try to um coincide me like tidying the kitchen and cooking my breakfast with woman's hour and then yeah when she's done i will i'll head to do some music i think that's it and i'll try to go to yoga and then i try and chill out now that's a new thing of this year to be honest like i do stop I stop at a certain time. Yeah. Um, usually when my boyfriend comes in from work, which is like 11. It's nice because he comes in quite late. Um, so it still gives me a really amount of time, a good amount of time. You know, like I can still get up late and have a productive day because mm, yeah. I didn't, I don't like getting up early. Um, and then I stop. Yeah. Watch take TV, watch film, watch Netflix, whatever, go to bed. I wasn't very good at stopping before this year. Um, I'd still be like up at three in the morning, four in the morning doing stuff. Yeah. But I think that's important for me anyway. Depends. That sounds lovely. It sounds like a lovely day. And actually, with with you voice noting your, your music back to you, how long do you kind of sit on ideas? Or is it like you... So long. So long. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not this... Like, I heard like Ed Sheeran was like, yeah, if it's, if it's not written in seven minutes, like I throw it in the bin. I'm like, man, maybe that's why you are a billionaire. Or, because that is not what I do. <laughs> I'm like, that... I just feel like I put something in my songs that is not disposable. So when I have put that in there, I really don't like just leaving it in a book. You know, Mm. I'm like, no, we need to develop this so it works now. Like if I'm feeling a connection with the song, it can be like four years later when I pick that song up and go, now it works. You know, like this work. Now we've got this drum on it. Oh, now this producer's going to make it sick. Like anything, you can take one song and make it 10 different genres. You know, like if you, there's something in it that's resonating with you and that's going to make it authentic when you sing it and going to make it move people, then don't drop the song, you know, just work it out. Find it, find a way to work it. I, I think. So I can sit on voice notes for a long time, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder how, I wonder how, uh, I've definitely got a couple of like, you know, a couple of years old voice notes in, in, in the phone. Yeah. Nice. But I'm sure they'll come around. I'm sure that there'll be a time when you're like, you never know. Is... You never know, Hassie. That's what I mean. Don't know. <laughs> uh, if you want to tell your friends what's the best podcast experience of your life, we're down with that. Will do. <laughs> Will do. Absolutely. Given. <laughs> All right. Bye. Thanks, bye. bye, everyone. Thanks.
amazing. Thank you so much, Holly, for a wonderful interview. And you can be sure to check her out on Spotify. And also, she's pretty active on Instagram. Her Instagram handle is at I am underscore Ra. We also definitely recommend go and check out her music. As we said, Overkill was out a little bit earlier this year. It's a brilliant listen. She's got a wonderful um, portfolio of music. So definitely go and check out some of her older stuff as well. And yeah, we're just really looking forward to seeing what she does next. She's got some really exciting plans. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week. Yes, indeed. Same time, same place. Bye.